This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Much like Texas football for two weeks at the beginning of each season, we're back. Welcome to another edition of the On the Forecheck podcast. I'm Nick Morgan, writer and editor at On the Forecheck. I am joined by the peanut butter to my jelly, Sean Smith. Sean. Oh, I, get, I get to be the peanut butter this time? You do. Oh, that's exciting. Because uh, I think it's because your voice is smooth and creamy. Oh, I figured it was because it's full of protein and I'm so strong. I mean, you can go either direction on that. Either way. We'll take are it. You, are you a smooth guy or a peanut butter or a crunchy guy? I'll go I'll go either way. Either way. I'm a big fan of peanut butter in many forms. I think it kind of depends on the medium you're using it for. That's true. Well, anyway, this is a hockey podcast, not a peanut butter podcast. For although, now. A peanut, although a peanut butter podcast would be great. Jeff uh, mm. or Skippy, if you're listening, we are looking mm. for sponsors. Uh, but yeah, this is a Nashville Predators podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the Nashville Predators start their regular season this week. So sure we do. have regular season hockey to talk about. Uh, we missed a lot in the couple of months we took off from the podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those of you wondering, we had every intent to do some podcasts this summer, uh, but unforeseen circumstances got in the way. We had a couple of people on vacation when Victor Arvidsson got traded. Yeah. Someone else was on vacation when Pekka Rene got uh, retired. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we we did a uh, Preds prospect camp that technical difficulties kind of completely derailed. So yeah. we tried. We tried, everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, it was it was me that was on vacation for uh, the Pecorine retirement as well as the Ryan Ellis trade. And I was up in South Dakota at the time um, for Pecorine. And uh, I got to sit in on his retirement media call from uh, outside of one of the Laura Ingalls Wilder houses. Oh. That was that was pretty exciting. Um, so, you know, get my little house on the prairie and my uh, very tall Finnish goalkeeper retirement in at the same time. And uh, then um, really, really exciting was uh, we drove to Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, where we were going to stay in a hotel instead of our camper. And that's when they traded Ryan Ellis. And that... What? Yeah. First off, can it. we talk about what a great name Sleepy Eye Minnesota is? Yeah. Well, you know, if you've if you've watched the show Little House on the Prairie, you'll hear that is like the big city from where they were living in Walnut Grove. Um, so that we had to make that one of our stops. That was the whole intent of the trip was a Little House on the Prairie themed road trip for my daughter before she went to middle school. So I'm surprised the Wild didn't try to poach you while you were there just to complete the press collection. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, they made an attempt, but we were driving too fast. There's no oh, yeah. speed limits up there. It's great. Yeah, they they spun out. Don't have a lot of speed up front. No. Uh, you know who does have a lot of speed up front? Who? The Predators Ford Core. Oh. Because if you haven't seen it, uh, it looks like we have our opening night roster. Uh, according to a tweet from Adam Vingen, 
And uh, also a earlier tweet from Brooks Bratton about line rushes at practice. So first off, let's get with the headline. The thing you wanted to happen, everybody, happened. Philip Tomasino is on the opening night roster. So uh, I, I don't have the editing software right now to put balloons and streamers and uh, celebration by Cool and the gang in the background right now. But uh, there, there you go. I, I feel like that was the headline that everybody wanted to hear was yeah. Philip Tomasino made it. Yeah, that, that was exactly what I was hoping for. Um, you know, I was kind of conflicted at first, if, if I can be completely honest here. Was, yeah, I mean, why not? This is a peanut butter, I mean, a hockey podcast after all. Um, you know, I, I think for me, um, especially having gotten to know the Milwaukee head coach, Carl Taylor, last season a little bit, I really, really think there's a lot of value in sending someone to the AHL in order to spend a little bit more time um, developing their game. And, and knowing that Carl Taylor's kind of view on coaching and what he's really there to do is very focused on preparing the players to be successful at the next step for whenever they do get that opportunity. And so I thought, you know, there's a lot I think that would be beneficial for Tomasino to get from going to Milwaukee, but after seeing him play and he, he did very well in the AHL last year, I know it wasn't a full season. Um, I was a little conflicted about seeing him on the third line. But when I started to think about it a little bit more, I like that he can develop that chemistry with glass. And I think that's kind of what I want to focus on with him staying with the big club. Right. I think I was kind of the same thing for me, too, was for me, the, the issue with Tomasino was going to be if he's in Nashville, is he going to be somewhere that helps him develop as a player? Because if he was on, you know, a third or fourth line and getting, you know, 12, 13 minutes a game, very little special teams time, then at that point you have to say, okay, he's better off going to Milwaukee um, and, and just getting first line minutes, even if it's in the AHL, because at least he'll be able to hone his craft, keep working on a little bit of the things he needs to work on. Um, but I'm with you. I like the pairing with glass. I think that's probably moving forward. One of your top six combos I guess in a best case scenario, yeah, two or three things down the line. And uh, the other person on that line, Nick Cousins, uh, is has had a very, very good preseason, very good camp, very good preseason game. And I, he, he adds an extra layer of defensive responsibility to that line. So I think he also frees up glass and Tomasino to kind of be – little wild chickens running around yeah. on the farm. I think I think he makes room on the ice for them. I think he's got enough grit about him combined with enough skill that he can play that defensive game when needed, but he can also be aggressive and open up some space for those guys. Well, let's go through the rest of the, the lineup. So this is from Brooks Bratton, the, the line rushes. So Duchesne, Johansson, Forsberg are your number one line. Not a surprise. They were together all of training camp and all of the preseason games. Uh, we're going to touch on them in a little bit. Uh, we also had Luke Cunnan, Mikhail Granlund, and Ellie Tolvanen. Uh, another good line. Uh, the third line we mentioned was Nick Cousins, Cody Glass, 
and Philip Tomasino. We should also mention Rocco Grimaldi was also subbing in on that line as well for a few shifts. And then you had the Hurt line. Um, why can't I remember that guy's name? Colton Sissons. I've covered him for about six or seven years now. Uh, and as well as Yakov Trenin and uh, Tanner Janot. We should also mention uh, Matthew Olivier is on injured reserve, so he didn't uh, go down to Milwaukee. He's starting the year on IR. So, Sean, I guess first thoughts of that, if those are the Preds lines, yeah, fine. I'll take it. I, I'll tell you, I, I feel like there was a moment or two where sometime during the preseason you saw Tolvanen, Granlund, and Tomasino on a line. And there's always going to be a big part of me that wants to see that in action. Um, you're talking about threats on both sides of the ice, and you're talking about a very skilled playmaker who's not afraid to go up and disrupt in front of the net. And, I, I mean, Cunning can do a lot of the same things, don't get me wrong, but I feel like Tomasino has a much higher potential, much higher ceiling to be just a, a deadly shooter at, at some point down the road. So Cunning's probably fine there for now, don't get me wrong, but um, there's always going to be a part of me that wants to see Tomasino up there on that line with those guys. Uh, you know, you talk about the Forsberg, Johansson, and Duchesne line, there's a lot of money on that line. Literally. Um, and, and, you know, it's not literally just on the line playing, but there's a lot of money on the line right there because you need that line to be successful if you're going to have a successful season. They've got to be the, the guys that go out and set the pace of play for the team. And if they're not able to do that, then it's going to be kind of rough or you're going to have to rely on your depth again. And nobody wants that. I'm sure none of those guys want that either. But I will tell you, I thought every time Forsberg had – the puck on his stick in that last preseason game against the Hurricanes. He looked absolutely deadly. Well, it also seems like this is the last hurrah for, for all three of those guys, uh, or maybe not last hurrah, but maybe their last chance together. Because uh, you have Forsberg as a free agent, Johansson and Duchesne, I, I think, is a open secret. The Predators have tried to move w- at least one of them. And as you mentioned, there is a lot of money riding on those guys. Cause I'm with you, Sean, like that's, that's your season right there. If, if those three are in the same boat as they've been the past two years and, and yeah, Forsberg's last season's final numbers looked great. But I think the thing with Forsberg is we all forgot, like he started the season red hot, then he'll go cold for two or three weeks yeah, you know, if that's if that's your same level of play, that's that that's not good. That's not good enough to get it done, and that's probably not good news for your franchise going forward. And and you have to remember too, Forsberg is coming toward the end of this contract, and he's he's got to want to, regardless of whether he ends up staying in Nashville after the season or going somewhere else. The better he does this season the better his contract's going to be. So he's not, I mean, I know this sounds bad. He's not just playing for the Nashville Predators this season. He's playing for his future contract. The better he is, the bigger numbers he puts up, the better he's going to get paid at the end of the year, regardless of where he goes. So, you know, for him, a little bit different motivation for the other two. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's it's their, it's their ticket here to stay here, or their ticket out one way or the other is what I think it comes down to. 
So I'm, yeah. I'm looking, I'm, I'm feeling like we're going to see a very motivated first line. Yeah, and we are going to touch a little bit more on the Forsberg situation coming up here in a little bit. Uh, I do want to talk about that second line, though. Uh, Mikhail Grandland obviously coming back. That I thought was a huge get for the Predators this offseason. Probably the most critical move they made this entire offseason uh, because he showed last year he's the ideal second-line center, uh, which is something the Preds have desperately been searching for. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, Sean, we've been talking about Philip Tomasino. Uh, we've been talking about Igor a little bit and some of the new guys. Is it just me or did we completely forget about Ellie Tolvin in this offseason? I think we did. It's not just you. Um, honestly, when and what's bad is that I think we've been so, at least I've been so hyper-focused on Tolvin and, you know, probably more so than I needed to from the time he was drafted. Um, you know, once once the hype came and, and kind of went and he realized he's not going to be Alex Ovechkin from day one, he's got to mature a little bit into it. You know, I, I almost forgot he was there. And so when we come back this season and I see the guys on the ice, I'm like, oh, Ellie Tolvin uh, is oh, a player yeah. on the team. Oh, yeah. This is the flavor like of the that. week. Right. Yeah. And the reason I brought that up is because I think, and you can back me up on some of the practices you've seen, I think Ellie Tolvanen's taken a big step forward in this game. Uh, you know, it, it seems like when he made the team last year, it was kind of a, yay, Ellie's here. It's Tolvi time. Right. And, you know, he was just kind of in that, you know, stay in that little part of the ice and, and take some shots and, you know, kind of be that big stick on the power play. Uh, from what I saw in the first couple of preseason games he played, he was more of a guy who drove the play, kind of more of the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and the Preds took the reins off of him a little bit, kind of let him, uh, you know, use his body and his speed to to kind of create place for himself instead of just being the, I guess, the finisher. He's more the facilitator. Yeah. That's big because that's that's a huge step forward in his development. And, you know, the Preds need him to be a two-way guy. But that's that's what I saw from him. I saw the same thing, and I'll say this. You know where that came from? You know how that – there's two reasons I want to point to as to why he's developed into that today. You want to know what they are, or do you know what they are? I don't. I would love to hear you tell okay. me. I believe, number one, I believe he has grown into his body. He's not a, not a little kid anymore. He's, he's a, a man. He's a man. A man on the ice, not just a, a 19-year-old kid who's got a good shot. And I think that if you look at the way, you're going to hear this a lot. If you look at the way Carl Taylor coaches, he is very focused on rounding out his players' games to where they're not just good at one thing. And so I feel like he's added those layers to Tolvanen's game that's allowed him to come up and develop at the NHL level and really flourish all, all over the ice instead of just in that circle. All right, and I think that's the key is you're looking for players to have a more well-rounded game and yeah i mean you kind of alluded to it earlier i mean everybody sort of gave up on tolvanen when it was year three and he wasn't the starting number one guy on the predators first line right and you know my favorite quote are you a big ted lasso guy yeah my favorite quote from this season was the conversation uh, ted and coach beard had it was all people are different people and I think that applies where not every prospect is going to come in right away and be the Cole Caulfield. You know, 
You right. need some guys are going to have a slow burn. They might not have their best years till age 28, 29. But I think the Predators really did a good job with kind of keeping Tolvin on that slow burn. You know, there's kind of that debut year where everybody was wondering, oh, is he going to make the roster? And I think then it was actually really smart of them to take a step back and be like, you know what? He's not ready yet. This is a team that I'm going to stress this at the time. Everybody thought, oh, this is going to be a contender. Yeah. We need to have him round out his game. Yeah, I, and I'll tell you, <clears throat> if you look at the players that came up and played for the Preds last year from the taxi squad that had spent time in Milwaukee, you saw very well-rounded players. And you saw players that were focused on improving every night and maintaining those spots. Look at someone like Matthew Olivier. Look at someone like Tanner Janot. Janot's undrafted from the from the junior level all the way up, yet he's earned contract after contract because he's been able to add all those layers to his game. Right. Uh, one guy also I kind of want to give a shout-out to, Rocco Grimaldi, because I think it was actually the last podcast we did. We were making our predictions for who was going to stay, who was going to go, and we, you know, we both of you and I said it doesn't look like Grimaldi's – really fitting in on this team anywhere he has had maybe the best off-season camp preseason of his entire career i mean he has been phenomenal in a lot of different areas i mean he looked great on the power play or not power play the penalty kill and wasn't that our wasn't that our big knock on him was he can't yeah. play defense yep so that's that to me, Grimaldi has earned his spot. And so that's somebody I really wanted to give a shout out to because I I don't think a lot of us thought coming into the season that Grimaldi would be sort of the utility man of the team. No, and, and I'm going to say that that praise is well-deserved and it's definitely earned because I think, and, and I don't know, I didn't cover the team under Laviolette long enough to really make a fair comparison. But I'll say this, is that I've noticed that the players, at least under John Hines, tend to address issues in their game a little bit more extensively and thoroughly than they did under LaViolette. I think that's fair. Like, I, I think they're... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think you summed up pretty much everything I wanted to say on that. Okay. Good job. Okay. All right, good night, everybody. Hey! Uh, there. All right, Sean, are you ready to get defensive? <laughs> Always. All right. Well, defense. The Preds are going with eight defensemen to start the year. There is going to be a couple of you that are groaning. I personally don't care at the thing you're groaning about. Uh, from the line rushes, it looks like we have Roman Yossi with Alexander Carrier. We have the new guy, Philip Myers, with Matthias Ekholm. We have Matt Benning and Mark Borvietsky. And the extra guys, Dante Fabro, a little bit of a surprise to me, and Ben Harper. Sean, uh, thoughts on those defensive pairings? So I, I don't know that we're necessarily looking at Fabro as the seventh defender. Um, I, I don't know if maybe, you know, you saw Fabro working a lot with Ekholm. Uh, four, because Ekholm is notoriously 
Um, wait, notorious means bad, doesn't it? Uh, he, yeah. <laughs> Ekholm is uh, Ekholm is at least uh, well known for working with newer players to the team, uh, younger players, and and kind of you know I want to say taking them under his wing, but really just kind of helping them develop into the defensive partner that they need to be. And so I feel like that's what he's been doing with Myers. I don't absolutely think that that's going to be the pairing you see on the ice come you know, game time. Uh, it may be, maybe I'm completely wrong here and, and that's possible, but I feel like you may not see Myers in that role. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But I will say that if you're looking at Fabro as a seventh defender, then that kind of tells you how they're feeling about Dante right now, even though they did make some trades happen to make sure they could protect him in the expansion draft. Yeah, I mean, they went five defensemen in the expansion, specifically to keep Fabro. Yeah. Um, he had a very up-and-down camp. I will say that. Uh, I thought he had a really bad preseason game, followed by a really good preseason game, followed by kind of a meh preseason game. Yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of up and down, kind of hard to get a read. Obviously, in preseason, also you're playing with different guys, different situations each night. You may kind of be, you know, somebody like him, you know, was kind of counted on to be maybe the number one D man one night, and then two nights later, when your superstars are back, you're kind of playing a more third line depth role. So right. I, I do I do agree. I think it's kind of hard to get a read on that. Um, I mean, do you think he's one of the six best defensemen on the roster right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, because if, if he's, like, the seventh guy, like, oh, is – I'm dumbfounded by that if he is. And, again, this, this might just be blind rushes. This might just be a, hey, Boro and – uh, Benning play really well together. We're just going to see them. Or maybe it's a, uh, we're going to see if Ben Harper can maybe be the sixth guy. Right. I, I, I don't know, but I would be shocked if Dante Fabro's not on that, that first six to start the year. You would be surprised. No, I would not. I would maybe, maybe I just totally misspoke. I am really tired. Everybody. Uh, I would, it would be a shock to me if Dante Fabro was not playing on the opening night. How about that? That's, that's, I agree with that. Okay. Making sure we're on the same page. I could have totally. Yeah. yeah. No, Uh, I I get it. uh, Alex Carrier. What do you think of him as your new one B to Roman Yossi's one A? So I'll tell you when, when I started covering the team and it's, it's been a while, I'm not going to act like I've been covering the team forever, but at this point it's been several years. Um, you know, my first, like trying to get familiar with the, the, the depth from the organization and the different players they had in the AHL Carrier was someone that I was very excited about. I remember, I think it was the first future stars game I went to. Um, that was who I was there to see was Carrier. And I've been very happy with the way he played last season. And I'm very excited to see that he's definitely made a statement saying that he should be up here playing at the NHL level. I love the fact that he's playing with Yossi. I think he's going to be a very good partner for him. Um, it's, it's a player who at 
every level he's played at has been a leader and has a very good work ethic. And when you pair him with someone like Roman Yossi, who happens to be the captain of the team and also has a very, very good work ethic, you hear that praise constantly is that no one on the team works harder than Roman Yossi. That tells me that he's definitely in good company and he's going to continue to, you know, imagine learning the game at the NHL level from Roman Yossi. Imagine, you know, how beneficial is that going to be for him? It's, I think it's going to be great. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, when the injury bug came out last year and everybody started falling left and right, Carrier was the guy who stepped up the most. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that's really helped him in his development is he has had really good chemistry no matter where he's played. Uh, yeah. He was with Ekholm for that first little bit and yep. looked great playing with Ekholm. Yeah, then he kind of went with Yossi and everybody's like, ooh, these are, these are two guys who like to get creative with the puck, kind of be mm-hmm. more of a freewheeling as uh, Ric Flair used to say, limousine riding, <laughs> something, something, something. Uh, I need to brush up on my Ric Flair. Where's uh, Crazy Charlie when you need him? Need yeah, him. really. Yeah, we could we could give him a call. Yeah, we need to get uh, the Renegade bus over here to solve that. Um, but but yeah, I think in that same vein, I think Carrie is a guy who has a lot of chemistry. Otherwise, he's adaptable. Yeah, I think that's very important for a guy in his situation. Uh, I kind of thought the same thing about uh, Yannick Weber when he played here, although I think Alex Carey has got a lot more offensive punch. But he's that kind of guy where if things go awry and injuries start to happen or stuff is not working out with your defensive pairs as you want, he can move up and down the lineup. Yeah, you know, and I think, like you mentioned, the difference between he and Yannick Weber was that when – you know, necessity required Yannick Weber to play on the, on the first pairing or on the second pairing. I think you saw him elevate. Whereas when I think he was relegated to say being the sixth defender or stepping in as the seventh on the third pairing, uh, you just kind of saw him settle into doing what he was best at, which is pretty much standing guys up at the blue line. And that was about it. Um, with Carrier, I think you, you kind of feel confident in what he's going to do regardless of where he's playing. Uh, one last note on defense, and it's kind of just a personal thing. Mark Borowiecki back. Um, he had a really good piece with Adam Vingen uh, last week, kind of opening on his mental health struggles. Um, you know, he revealed that he had a panic attack during a game last year. He kind of opened up on his journey, um, what he's done to address his mental health. Uh, and he specifically mentioned how supportive the Predators have been during this entire process, he made sure to mention that he's in the best shape, both physically and mentally going into a season that he's ever felt at the NHL. And uh, I just want to give a shout out because it's really good to see Boro, not just having a good return on the ice, but in a really good spot in his life as well. Oh, I'm going to agree with you a thousand percent on that. I'm really excited to see him at, at full bore and, you know, playing again, I was very excited about him being on the team. Um, you know, on ice stuff aside, I think he's an awesome person. If you've ever listened to him talk or had the chance to talk to him, he's just in- incredibly, uh, just a caring, thoughtful, and just really just a, seems like a great guy. Seems like a guy you'd love to be friends with. An absolute and, uh, gem. Yeah. So I, I like that we have someone like that on the team. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that he's in a good place. 
with his mental health and of course his the physical shape and that he's ready to go. I'm excited to see him play. Uh, agreed. And, and best of luck to him and his family and um, everything with both the upcoming season and his life moving forward. Um, we do have a lot to talk about in terms of big predator storylines this year. It is kind of going to be a weird year. <laughs> things can go great. Things can go haywire very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So we are going to talk about that. Also, a couple of you uh, tweeted in some questions about the upcoming season. So we are going to take a look at that in just a couple of minutes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Hope you check out some of our great sponsors. But for now, let's talk hockey. Sean, we mentioned uh, this is a very, very weird year for the Nashville Predators. They have the potential to be a under-the-radar decently sneaky good team they have the potential to crash and burn very very quickly and spectacularly I, i'd like to i'd like to err on the side of sneakily good team i mean from a fan standpoint absolutely <laughs> sure because i don't want to talk about a rebuild no speaking no of uh let's get into our big storylines to watch for this entire season um, number one, the big one that everyone has been talking about is the competitive rebuild. Mm. What exactly is it? What are your expectations for it? Is this going to just be a tank job? Is this going to be try to reinvigorate your uh, big money deal so you can get something for them on the market? Or are you just kind of hoping this roster you have right now wins so i guess sean question one what do you hope to get out of this competitive rebuild if you're david Poyle? well if i'm david Poyle, it's probably a lot different than if, if i'm me you know um but if i'm Poyle, you know i am probably looking to say okay let's see if we can get something for one of these eight million dollar guys Let's see if we can have a good enough season out of them that makes them, let's say somebody might be interested in them at the end of the season or maybe at the trade deadline if the team's not on a path that would take them to the playoffs. Um, you know, you at some point, those deals have to be dealt with. Sorry about that. But uh, at some point, you've got to do something or you're just going to be, you're just going to have this big, spot on your roster that is just a a black hole of money that you're throwing at some players that may never really get it together. Um, So I'm, I'm thinking that part of this gambit is we're going to put the best possible players we can together on this line and hope they have a superstar season and then see if we can get some interest. Uh, That's the competitive part of the rebuild I think is that they don't want to tank. So Let's do well enough that we can generate some interest in these guys. And if, if that's the case and, you know, we're, we're competitive and they're doing well, 
maybe we wait till the end of the season. They're not guys you have to move at the deadline. So, you know, maybe you make the playoffs with them. Maybe they have a great season. And then another team goes, hey, Duchesne or Johansson, these are guys that could give our team the push we need to get to get to the cup or something like that. And maybe you get something back for them. It feels like for the first time, the expectation doesn't have to do with how far the team gets into the playoffs or anything like that. It feels like if we consider this a good season, it's going to be because the future of the team, the younger guys take a big step forward. Um, You know, is Alex Carrier going to look like a number one guy? Did Philip Tomasino have a good year? Did Ellie Tolvanen have another breakthrough season and kind of look more like a top six guy? That to me is going to weigh more heavily on whether internally you consider this a success. Um, David Poyle has said every like all the right things. Oh, we you know we think we can make it to the playoffs with this team. We think we can rebuild and still be competitive. Uh, I don't know if you guys at home know, but sometimes general managers of sports teams say things to the public that they don't necessarily mm. believe internally. No. That is a that is a hidden, very secretive thing in the Surely entertainment not. business. Yes, I know. Hold hold for groans, and uh, clutch your pearls. But you know, it, it does feel like, and it's just I, I'm not sure like the best way to wrap this all up. But I, I don't think you can. Like I think I think the Predators can miss the playoffs this year, and you can still look at and be like, you know what. We got what we wanted to get done this year. Yeah, I think you're 100% right on that. Well, that kind of takes us to a question that we got. Again, if you wanted to um, ask us questions on any of our podcasts, feel free to chime in. Um, this was from our friend Chicken and Stats. Ooh. Two very delicious things that go together. Uh, he asked, one, what constitutes a successful season? Um, John, do you want to chime in on the first part of that question? I just yeah. did. But yeah, I think, your thoughts. I think you can look at a successful season as two ways. You can be competitive, meaning that you're in a spot for the playoffs up to the very end, whether you make it or not. Um, but you're getting a good season out of some guys that you may want to move on. You may want to make some room financially to re-sign someone like Forsberg and Eckholm to a deal. Um, so you can kind of ensure that the team will remain competitive with some of the youth coming up in, in through the ranks. That would be success to me. I agree with that. And uh, that actually does take us to the second part of Mr. Chicken and Stats question. Two, what do we do with Forsberg? And that also transitions to the second biggest storyline of the year, the future of Philip Forsberg and Matthias Eckholm. Hmm. So, well, oh, go ahead, Nick. Uh, I was going to just tee you up on this because I feel like Forsberg and Eckholm aren't a package deal. I feel like you have to look at these situations as two polar opposite situations. Why, why would you say they're polar opposite situations just out of curiosity? I think as of now, the Predators are more gung-ho on keeping Eckholm, regardless of what happens with this season. 
Philip right. Forsberg's future, I think, is more hinging on what happens this season. I think you're probably right, and I have I nothing to back. Right. I have nothing to back that up. Just that I feel like they see. Well, let me say it like this: If Roman Yossi wasn't here, I feel like Matthias Ekholm would be the captain of this hockey team. I feel like uh, that, yeah. I feel like that is how much this organization really invests themselves in Matthias Ekholm, and he has played. Uh, he has played extremely well enough to back it up. Uh, mm-hmm. If you ask me right now, I'd say he's the second best player on this team besides Roman Yossi. And there's yeah a, a lot of talented people that he is in front of. Um, Philip Forsberg to me is more of the enigma because, you know, there is a Pandora's box of possibilities there. Uh, if he doesn't have a good season, then I would say the Preds are probably going to want to move on. I mean, that's, that's a very weird thing to say about a guy who has been your, one of your leading scorers every season he's been in the league, but at the same time, you have to be very careful with how you spend your money. And I wrote an article about this on, on the forecheck a little bit ago. Uh, if Philip Forsberg is kind of plateauing where he's at now, it's a decent plateau, but is that somebody you're going to want to spend seven, seven and a half million dollars on? when you're already kind of trying to move some questionable contracts on your roster. Yeah. And I'll say this is I've seen a lot of really big contracts being given out recently to players where I absolutely am scratching my head saying, why would anyone in their right mind think this is a reasonable amount of money to place this person to play hockey for their team? And I think that if you do see that plateau, which again, you said it's not a bad plateau, but it's definitely not superstar level where you're demanding seven, eight, nine million dollars a year. You've already got 16 million a year tied up in Johansson and Duchesne. That's right. You, you've got to make something happen to make that go away. If what makes it go away is Forsberg and that line having a huge year, then maybe you can get rid of that and then you can keep him around. But if it's, kind of stuck where it is. I, I kind of agree that that may be the time to say, let somebody else pay him the big bucks for, you know, 30 goals a year and we'll move on and, and feel like we've got some guys coming up that can do the same thing. There's a traffic jam on the first line. Yeah. And then the other part of that is, Hey, Philip Forsberg might have a really good year. He might finally get that 40 goal season. He's been so close to, and, you know, at that point, everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, the Preds definitely want him back. Yep. He's still a free agent. He just had a career season. Yep. Are the Preds going to want to get into a bidding war with some other teams with mm-hmm. deeper pockets? Yeah. So there, there's just – I would say the best thing about Forsberg right now is it's it's unpredictable. Like, I don't think you can look at – everything right now and just say, Oh, I know 100%. I think if a happens, it's going to be B. If B happens, it's going to be C there. There's so much variables here. So many variables that I I don't think this is going to get resolved until maybe well after the season. Yeah. I also say that. And in two weeks, we're going to hear Forsberg sign a new six week contract with Nashville. So I guess either way, a win for the On the Forecheck podcast. Yeah. 
Especially, did you just say a six week contract? That's did I say six weeks? That's short. Six six year. Oh yeah, there you go. Okay, six That's year. Better. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I mean, I'll take I'll take a yeah. six week contract if if the if the money's right. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they just need him to play uh, the October of next yeah. year, just That's until Tomasino's ready. Then we yep. can move on to the Maple Leafs and yep. help them win their first cup since dinosaurs roam the earth. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, do, does it sound like we're in agreement with Matthias Eckholm? That that seems likely, barring anything super dramatic happening. M- Matthias Eckholm is a leader. I, you know, I don't, I, I've coached some sports. I've been around sports a lot. You can identify a leader if you're around sports enough. And that is someone that everyone listens to, everyone respects, and you cannot argue with the fact that he plays as hard as he can every time he's on the ice. And I really feel like you said, you said, I don't really have any evidence to back that up. That's my evidence is that is a man that everyone respects regardless because they know they're not going to outplay him and everyone's going to listen to every word he says on the ice in the locker room. It doesn't matter. And that's, that's someone you want to pay to stick around. They've done a lot of trades and stuff to bring in locker room guys and stuff like that. But this is a guy that has all of those qualities, but can also back it up on the ice. Yeah. I think the best way to summarize my thoughts on that. Uh, I think the only way Matthias Ekholm is not a Pred next season is if he does not want to be a Pred next season. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to summarize it. Um, The other big storyline I'm watching this year is kind of tied to Philip Forsberg again. That top line. I mean, they are rolling with the super line. Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, and Forsberg. Duchesne and Johansson are the two guys that – yeah, I mean, they, they need to have good seasons. Their NHL futures are probably riding on the line here. Sean, first off, what do you think about just having that super line together in general? I, You know, I'll say this. If you've got guys on the team that are making that much money, I want to see them all play together. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with you, yeah. It's real, real straightforward, you know, real straightforward. But I think... The, the fact that Mikhail Granlund played so well on that second-line center role last year, too, and not only played well, but kind of played the style that John Hines wanted on his second line, you know, what you kind of want from a traditional second-line center. I, I think that's given them the ability to put their three, quote-unquote, big guns together. Um, you know, Duchesne and Johansson had played a part pretty much their entire tenure in Nashville just because, you know, they, they wanted depth. Um, I think they still have depth. It's just a different depth people involved. That wasn't a right sentence, but I'm sure you knew what I was talking about, Sean. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Love you, buddy. Um, love you too. But, but yeah. To me, the, the other question that everybody's bringing up is how long are they going to be together? Because we mm. do know Hines loves the line blunder. Well, you know, I don't think he's going to hesitate if it's not working. They've been together pretty much the entire preseason. And if it's not working, when the regular season starts, he's, he's not going to hesitate to pull the trigger on that and, and start – and again, start the line blender and find something that's going to work. 
Yeah, I mean that's an interesting dilemma in of its own because if if you're if they're not performing, do you let them try to play it out, or do you try to shake things up and maybe disrupt chemistry elsewhere? Yeah. Um, that's 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 an age old question. Well, you know, if you if they can't get it together and you don't want to disrupt chemistry elsewhere, you can just prepare to have them on the team for a long time. Right. Kind of well, what it comes down to. It does. Uh, there, well, there's another big story in net that we really haven't talked about yet. Um, probably because it makes us all sad. Uh, but Pekka Rene is no longer here in Nashville anymore. Oh. Uh, again, we would have had a podcast on that, but mm, vacations. Yeah. Sorry. That, that was me. I was out of town for that. So me too. my fault. We all um, were. we, we all were, where we, were you? Uh, let me see. That was, that was back in june wasn't it july july i believe that happened while i was in nashville Uh, and i'm sure a lot of people listening just got confused Uh, i don't live in nashville i live in in ohio uh so going back to nashville is out of town for me but you're you're from nashville i'm i am from nashville that is where the preds fandom came from yeah that makes sense Okay, well, now that we got that cleared up, yeah, Pecorine is no longer here. UC Saros is the number one guy. Uh, finished six in Vezina last year. Probably should have been in at least the top four, I would say. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing, Sean, and back me up if you agree with this. There is a shred of doubt around Saros just for the fact that we haven't seen him as the guy for a full 82 game season really not even for a full regular season because remember he and rene were kind of a 1a 1b situation for the first few months of last year until saros got super hot well saros got injured too so he was out he got that shot to the head from uh niederreiter and that took him out for a while so it wasn't even you know it wasn't even a 1a 1b situation as much as it was rene having to step in and play a lot of games until he was able to come back. Now, when he came back, he came back hot for sure. Yeah. But you're right. We haven't had a full season of sorrows in the number one spot. Now he has had two very good long hot streaks. Remember he got on the hot streak uh, right before COVID hit. And that was kind of what pulled the Preds back into the, uh, the, the playoff picture that year. And then wasn't great in the return to play tournament. Wasn't really great to start last season. But the thing is, this year he has had a full off season to prepare as the number one. He has had a regular camp, and thus far, and you can back me up from you being at the practices. But really, there's nothing that shows that he's lost his form at all. No, I, I think I think he's going to be good. I'm excited. And uh, thoughts on David Riddick backing him up this year. Big save, Dave. I, I'll tell you, and, and this is, you know, it's something to think about, especially for people who are new to the Nashville Predators uh, fandom, you know, people who maybe came on board with a cup run or things like that. You know, you saw a season, a season or two, I guess, of Pecorine as the number one guy. Um, but Saros was always there and everyone felt very comfortable with him coming in and playing. Um, especially it seemed like, uh, 
if they had to pull Rene for whatever that Saros came in, it was typically lights out. Um, but this is the first time for a lot of those fans that you're going to see a, a true one, two situation and not a one, a one B situation. I think, right. I, I don't think they brought Riddick in to be a one B guy. I think they brought him in to be the number two guy. Um, so I think, you know, for all of the, Oh, Hey, Rene's retired. Now you see Saros is the guy in net. And we also have David Riddick. Don't expect to see him every other night. Like you might in a one, a one B situation. And they're, they're probably going to stick with Saros if he has a few down games with the idea that he's going to be able to get back on that hot streak and get going. I like Riddick. Um, seems like a great guy. Uh, he's, he's a solid goaltender. I don't think he's one of those guys you're going to have to really, you know, when you put him in, just start worrying like, oh boy, this is, this is bad. This is no good. I think it's someone that can come in and give Saros a day off and let him uh, rest up and recuperate with, uh, and, and have, you know, the team can have confidence in him back there stopping pucks. Right. I think if you can get Saros at about 55, 56 starts and Riddick at about 25, 26, um, I'd say that's a successful split and not having a huge drop off between the two. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what you're going to get. Um, last question we have from Twitter is from Keith Heim at, at Heim Jazz. Uh, how short should GMDP, that's general manager David Poyle for you guys listening, uh, how short should his leash be after completely mismanaging Rem Pitlick and losing him for zero return? Uh, I have thoughts on the Pitlick situation, but I think for the general question, uh, is David Poyle on the hot seat? Some people think he is. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said this before uh, on the Renegades of Puck. And I've, I've said it a lot, just, you know, <laughs> out in the open that I, I don't necessarily think Poyle is on the hot seat. And I think that'll probably draw a lot of groans. But I, I've been in organizations where you've had leaders that have been in a leadership position for a long time, and they've drawn a lot of criticism for decisions they make. But when you have someone that's as long tenured as David Poyle, the worst thing they could possibly do is have him retire. And that's a totally different situation to be in than quote unquote, losing your job because there's not going to be any, you know, Oh, they just fired David Poyle. It's like, well, David Poyle is retiring and it's going to be framed totally differently. Um, You know, and if that's the mindset he has going into it is, you know what? Uh, Worst thing can happen is they, they asked me to retire then so be it. He's got people in place that um, I think he's comfortable with taking over if that if that's what happens. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of people who want somebody to answer for, you know, what's happened and why the team isn't winning the Stanley Cup. But, you know, there's there's been 30 teams every year that haven't won the Stanley Cup. We're not special. We're not unique in that sense as as a fan base, you know. There's, you know, 29 other teams that also don't win and their fans have to deal with it. So I don't think that he's the guy that's going to be on the chopping block to answer for this because he's just simply been doing this for so long. 
Yeah, and just to clear it up, this isn't just us stirring the pot or anything like that. This was mentioned uh, by ESPN's Greg Wyszynski. He thought David Poyle might be a GM on the hot seat. Uh, the other thing to consider is just, I think, how the Predators organization views David Poyle. I think the owners really trust him as one of the best minds in hockey. And, um, you know, it is, I, I don't think you can blame everything on Poyle. Um, and I, I will say, because there has been talk, and it's like, oh, Rem Pitlick is the final straw that's going to break the break. David Poyle's tenure in Nashville. Let's be honest. Rem Pitlick was a guy who was very good in the NHL that was fun to watch in his 11 games over three seasons with the Predators. But, you know, him losing on waivers isn't the thing that's going to derail David Poyle like some people think. I get that he was no. a fan. F- I get that he was a fan favorite. Sure. But, like... I mean, it, come on. It's not like he put Philip Forsberg on waivers. Right. Yeah, I, you know, you, you've got to, if you pay attention to, to hockey long enough, at least at the level that I've been paying attention to it, um, you've got to assume that when a team waves someone during the preseason, there must be, and if, if anybody knows this for sure, boy, I would love to hear it. But there yeah. must be some kind of gentleman's agreement in place where when you put someone on waivers, there's a hands-off rule. Because there's plenty of players every year that get waived and sent down to AHL teams that nobody picks up. When you look at it and go, how did 31 other teams pass on this guy? The reason is because there's a gentle. I'm pretty sure there's a gentleman's agreement in place. Now, how would that explain some guys getting picked up on waivers? I guarantee you some of those guys, they say, hey, look, as an organization, we're willing to pass on this guy. He's a good player. He doesn't have a future on our team, but we think he'd be good. Um, you know, pick him up if you want to. And I almost want to say, I look, I, I don't know. No one's told me this. I have no inside source that has said, Sean, this is what happened. But I've got to think that there must be a some kind of statement made that says this person is available. And if you want to look at it as losing someone for nothing, well, what it did do is open up a contract spot. And as a result, you can sign someone else that you think may have a future with the team. So it's not necessarily nothing. It's just that if you had tried to offer them in a trade, it might not have garnered any interest. But you at least have opened up a roster spot where you or a contract spot where you can sign someone else. Yeah, and I also think the thing about that was who, who on that forward core would you send down or cut in favor of Rem Pitlick. I mean, there's really nobody on there. Everybody else has earned their spot too. Yeah. I mean, this is, this has been a good preseason for a lot of Preds forwards. And, you know, I like Pitlick, but losing him was not the end all be all like well, some people think it is. And, and if you as an organization care about your players, you don't want them to spend, you know, what could possibly be the best years of their career playing in the AHL. Right, exactly. And, you know, some people do great in the AHL that just, for whatever reason, don't develop well in the NHL. It happens. Right. Uh, yeah. We wish the Becca Pitlick. It's going to be fun to see him in Minnesota, that's for sure, to at least yeah. get a chance. I love that he's getting a chance. I wish I, it was with the Preds. But like you said, who would you who would you kick off and say, nope, you're out. We're bringing in Pitlick right now. I don't think I would do that to anybody. 
I, I wouldn't either. All right. We are winding down. Uh, Sean, real quick, what is your prediction for the Preds this season? I predict that everybody has a great time. That's, yeah. <laughs> no. Will will punch be served? I hope so. Punch and pie. Um, oh, no. great combo. Oh, man. Even is is that going to be my intro for you next week? The, the punch, punch to, to my, to my pie. pie? I hope so. Yes. Um, I'm writing it down now. But let, let me ask you this. When you say my prediction, you're talking about like what place are they going to come in? We're talking about like what's the, you know, what are you looking for? Be yeah, more specific. Sure, sure that. Just are are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to crash or burn? Will punch and pie be served? Uh, punch and pie will be served. I assure you of that. Got some birthday parties coming up. I can make it happen. Um, however, I feel like this is a team that could squeak into the playoffs. Um, and maybe maybe they pull off a big upset. Maybe. But I feel like they could squeak into the playoffs. And that's that's about where I'll leave it. And look, if they do better, that's great. Tell me I'm wrong and tell me I'm an idiot and tell me I had no faith in the team. But I'm I feel like that's probably the ceiling right now, and I think that's okay. No. I am actually with you. Uh, I think when you look at this team, yes, they are in a quote-unquote competitive rebuild, but you have a Norris Trophy-winning defender from mm-hmm. two years ago. Yep. You have a goaltender that very easily could have been a Vezina finalist last year. Yep. You have another guy who is one of the best defensemen in the league, and you have three Fords with a history of scoring 60 to 70-point seasons consistently. So the tools are there. Tools uh, are there. The tools are there, and I'm with you. I think just the way the Preds are built and how they play, this is a team that can, you know, they're not going to blow any way points-wise or anything like that, but I think they can get in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so too. I, I well, would. Yeah, I'm with you. I was right. going to bring up something else, though. Right, bring it up. You, you, you gave your predictions for the Preds. Um, I'm curious. You ask me, I'm going to ask you, crunchy or smooth? I'm a smooth guy. Oh, why, why not crunchy? What's the problem? Um, crunchy is really hard to just eat right out of the jar. Is, is it? Do you have weak teeth, Nick? Is that what's going on? No, I just don't like it. Like I like just like, this is going to be way too much information, but mm. you know, I just like, okay, th- there's a million ways that could go. This is a PG version. Kids okay. are listening. Okay. Maybe. Um, like, yeah, like just like the feeling when you take a bunch of peanut butter and a spoon and you put it in, like all in your mouth and kind of do like the slow, like remove the spoon and like kind of let your lips scrape it off. Like, I like, I like that. I think that is like a very solid way to eat peanut butter. You're, you actually, like, you just, all at once? Yeah. So, with smooth? Yeah, with smooth. Okay, with with crunchy, you gotta go slow. Well, okay, yeah, that's fine, but that's not how I like my peanut butter. Okay, well, I just, I was curious. I just, I don't want you to just write off crunchy peanut butter completely, because you eat smooth peanut butter like a maniac. No, I think crunchy peanut butter served its purpose. I 
What's what's its purpose? I, I respect people who enjoy crunchy peanut butter because this is America, and I believe everybody should be entitled to their opinions uh, in certain circumstances, in, uh, unless you're Tony D'Angelo. But I I prefer smooth peanut butter. Okay, that's fine. I will point out. I don't know. We we actually all collectively forgot that after the preseason games were over, they were doing shootouts. Um, so we all left to get on the freight elevator to go down to the media area. Uh, but I was crossing the Zamboni path down at event level as they announced Tony D'Angelo to take his penalty shot in the shootout. And uh, everybody booed. Booze rained down from high, high in the rafters of Bridgestone. And it just, it made me really happy. Good job, what, Nashville. What kind of uh, peanut butter do you think Tony D'Angelo likes? Mm, probably doesn't like peanut butter. No, that explains it. That's probably what it is. Maybe that's why he's... The way he know, is. The way he is. <laughs> he's just never had a good PBJ growing up. Pro- he, he probably right. That's probably what it was. We have really gotten off on a tangent here. Should we say goodbye, Sean? Goodbye, Sean. All right, Sean, what would you like to tell the good people where they can find your work? Goodness gracious, yes. Uh, So if you want to read something I've written, the chances are you're going to find it at ontheforecheck.com. You can, of course, follow me at SCSOTF on Twitter. Um, And I also will be appearing once a week with Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports on a new video podcast called On the Preds, which you can find at the A to Z Sports uh, page um, or account in YouTube, or you can find it on SoundCloud and other places where podcasts are sold. It's free, though. You don't have to buy it. It is free, and it's a good listen. Listen to it the other day. You guys did a great job. Thanks. Well, speaking Speaking of podcasts that people did a great job on, Nick, I believe you should tell the fine folks where they can hear you aside from here. Yeah, well, just like you, you can read my work at ontheforecheck.com. You can also uh, follow all of my Preds thoughts on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. And myself and another OTF colleague, Miss Ann Kimmel, uh, we are appearing on the Locked on Predators podcast every weekday, Monday through Friday. Uh, We took over as hosts last week. And uh, we have done our first handful of shows. Uh, We put those out every single morning, Monday through Friday. Um, You can find those on Spotify, Google Podcast, Odyssey, basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts at. So give that a listen. All right. I'll tell you, I listened to it too, and it was very good. You guys did a great job. We did. Still waiting for uh, some sponsorship plugs on that one. Yeah, well. Yeah. Well, uh, again, Preds hockey starts this week. Preds versus Kraken on Thursday. We will have all the reaction to that on on the forecheck. And you can catch me and Sean next week, breaking down the first week of the season. Have a great day, everybody.